At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I've been a penny. I will buy the stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to this Thursday edition, it's hard to keep track of the days here, Thursday edition of Benzinga's pre-market prep. Spencer Israel, Dennis Dick, Joel out for the remainder uh, of the week. So just just Dennis and I uh, with you through the rest of this week here. Hope everyone had a nice, relaxing New Year's. We're here. It's 2020. We made it. We're up pretty much across the board except for Bitcoin, oil, and a few other things. Dennis, how was your New Year's holiday? Oh, I threw you on me. That, that was fast. Usually you give me about a minute on the intro, but oh, I was like, sorry. whoa, 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 what's going on? I was actually tweeting out the show there right now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was fast there, Spencer. No, New Year's was excellent. I actually ended up in Toronto at a couple of friends there. Brought in the New Year. Even my four-year-old stayed up and celebrated till 12.05. We let him, or the, he's actually five now, I guess. So he stayed up and, and celebrated till 12.05. The two-year-old only made it till 9 o'clock. So, but we let Spencer. He was awake. We're like, okay, let him bring in the new year. So we celebrated there. It was good. 2020, new decade. Not even a new, new year, new Spencer. Decade. A new decade. I know. I know. How, I mean, so how were the teens for you? <laughs> teens, teens were good. Uh, what did I do? I graduated college in, in the teens. Um, I moved to Detroit in the teens. Pretty much it. I don't know. How, how were your teens? You, you had some kids. I, I, yeah, the kids. So that's what changed big time for me. I right. came into the 2010s with no kids, came out with two kids, and I realized I thought I was busy before I entered the teens, and I thought, wow, I have such a busy life. And then you realize when, you, when I'm exiting the teens, is like, I was not busy at all before yeah. I had kids. <laughs> and yeah. I used to sleep a lot better, too, but <laughs> that's how it works. So anyways... Well, the party continues here. We talk about the January effect here, and I guess, you know, we're seeing some of it here in the overall market. This market is ripping here once again back to the highs. You got a little sell-off there for a couple days. Well, the buy the dippers are right back at it here once again. Market trading up uh, two points on the SPY, 0.62%. Across the board, I'm looking at all the S&P stocks here, and I'm trying to find a stock that is red. There is almost hardly any that are red. Oil is down slightly here. You do have a few downgrades here this morning. So a couple of stocks trading red, but overall it seems like all sectors are green. Even the TLT, uh, which often can move inversely with SPY is trading up here as well. So buying across the board, 2020 coming in with a bang. Yeah. And I think this, this uh, rally that we've had for the past few weeks or, or months, if you want to call it, it, it has legs because most people don't know 
the, about the day-to-day gyrations of the market. Well, now it's the, it was the end of the year. You saw all these headlines, all these news stories. Oh, best year since 2013. Yeah. Market ends the year on huge rally. People were uh, out on vacation. Yeah. Uh, saw those headlines. Are going to come back and say, "Oh man, get me in on this." So. That's you why could I be think, right. I mean, that's a good point you're making there. And I mean, and that happens. I feel like that's what that's what the January effect is, right? People come back in and start buying. But I feel like we'll, we'll see more of that this year because of the great Q4 that that we had. So, and the January effect, the way you know the textbook is, is buying. But the way I've always you know talked about January effect as well is the implications from what you saw in December from like tax loss selling too. So a lot of times you yeah. see your laggards. Stocks that have been held down potentially by tax loss selling all of a sudden start to catch a bid in January. And the reason for that is because, um, you know, you got people that were sitting, like, let's look at the pot stocks, for example. A lot of people sitting with a lot of losses in stocks in these sectors and probably booking them in December. Well, now all of a sudden that selling pressure is gone and you saw life. And you might say, well, the rally started before January, so what are you talking about, Dennis? Well, one thing to consider is the tax implications, and we've talked about this before, is in Canada, tax law selling actually ends two days before because in Canada, they go by the settle date. So the last day for tax law selling in Canada was the 27th. So the pot stocks, which are widely owned in Canada, because most of these are Canadian uh, pot stocks, think about the Kronos and the Canopies and the Afrias and the Aurora Cannabises and all the stocks are really beat up. They actually stopped kind of going down the next day on the 28th. And then uh, on, I'm losing track of days, like you said too, but on, on, Tuesday, on Tuesday, on Tuesday, 31st, yeah. they had a rip and rally. So they actually, you know, started rallying before January, but that happens because, again, if you're a Canadian investor, last tax loss selling day was the 27th, not the 31st. So if you look, wow, what a rally for the pot stocks on Tuesday. Kronos, ripping higher. Uh, uh, CGC was trading oh. up, I think, at one time 20%. So, you know, all these stocks showing life. And this is kind of the January effect that I talk about, where those laggards can become leaders for a little while. And, you know, is this the start of a huge bull market in pod stocks? I don't think so. I, don't th- I, and I think there's still valuation issues. I still think there's competition. I think all the issues that I've talked about before. But just the seasonality effects here, uh, it could be predicted that, hey, maybe January or at least the first couple of weeks are going to show some life. So I would not want to be short these stocks right now. I think there will be another opportunity to get short these stocks again. But right now, after uh, Tuesday's trade, showing life being January 1st here, tax loss selling all down on these things, they could show some life for a while. Yeah, also good point by Mitch in the YouTube chat. It is an election year. You never know how how once we get down that road, how that will shake out as far as uh, cannabis legislation. I did a ring in the new year in Chicago uh, where cannabis is now legal for recreational sale as of yesterday. So they are excited there. Um, But I mean, yeah, in the midst of a long-term drawdown here. So two January effects, right? There was the January effect that most of us know, which is that people just buy everything, come in in the new year and buy everything. Stocks go up. And then there was your January effect, which is a little bit different, more related to tax law selling and uh, laggards, laggards becoming leaders. I think that's why the laggards get bought. And leaders can sometimes become laggards. Those are the effects as well. And the reason behind that, and we aren't seeing that here this morning at all, uh, but you know, stocks that have very much outperformed can sometimes start to sell off because think about if you're sitting on a huge gain in like a stock like Target, for instance, and it's up almost 100% on the year. 
do you want to book that game in, on the 31st or do you want to book it on the 1st? Um, and, th and these are the effects that could happen. We're not saying we're not seeing this at all here this morning yet. But, you know, it's a stock that I'd maybe be a little bit cautious about, even looking at it. You got that 130 level on target, TGT. Kind of looks a little pesky. It's a big whole psychological number. And anybody who is sitting on a big gain here, and all of a sudden, you know, they might be, okay, I want to book this gain. I don't have to pay tax on this till next year now. Mm -hmm. So I can hold on for a whole other year as opposed to having to pay in April uh, if you were to sell this on the 31st. So you can defer it for a full year by selling on the 1st versus the 31st. Again, in Canada, not that anybody's investing in Target or that many are Target investors. That's why the last thing I was applying was more to the pot stocks where we have a lot of Canadian investors. Tax loss selling last day for that was 27. But in the US, they, they go by the, the, the trade date. So 31st to the 1st. So all of a sudden you think, eh, maybe a stock like Target, I'm just going to be cautious on here. So I'm not saying turn around and sell everything you got that was a big winner here. Just saying, the seasonality effects can sometimes show some weakness in some of the leaders the first week or two of January. Well, that's all I was going to say. Wouldn't you normally see by like the third, I feel like by the third or fourth trading day, we would know, right? Yeah. yeah. And I mean, and it's better is making a good point. It's not, and I said this right off when I started, we're not seeing this part of the effect yet. And it doesn't have to happen. Like nothing is like clockwork. And oh, it's guaranteed that stocks are going to go, the leaders are going to become laggards on the first day because of these effects. There's all other effects happening there too. So at, on any given day, there's multiple effects happening on a given stock. I'm saying there may be a few people, maybe some big institutions that might want to sell. Is that going to overpower the overall buying because the S&Ps are up you know, two points here and everybody wanting to be in stock? We don't know that. But we just know, you know that there is seasonality effects that can affect stocks and they might be able to push the price lower. But if there's more buyers and sellers, the price is still going to go higher, right? So, you know, you don't exactly know. But AMD is another good example. It's been an unbelievable performer. So could AMD show some relative weakness here? Not showing it here, I'll tell you, at, not, at 8, 10 in the morning here on the first day. It's up another dollar here again. But again, it's a stock that I, in my own trading, would probably be cautious with for a couple of days here. I'm not chasing AMD up a dollar here this morning because there is a potential that maybe after 9.30, maybe some sellers come in. And remember, there is the majority of institutional traders that are probably not at their desk at 8, 10 in the morning. Majority of institutional traders probably not going to be trying to sell a big chunk of AMD in the pre-market because the liquidity is less. I mean, AMD is always somewhat liquid, so maybe it's not the best example. But there's a liquidity increases substantially after 9.30. So I'm not saying go get your short and shoes on and sell AMD and sell Target. I'm just saying be aware if you're buying it up here this morning, another dollar, that historically... Um, we do see sometimes these effects take place in the first week of January where leaders can actually become laggards and laggards can become leaders. All right, let's talk some individual names here. Let's talk about SAVA. What is going on in uh, Casava Sciences here? There's a lot of insider buying going back two weeks. So let's let's bring it back to the Friday, crazy. Friday, December 20th. We have a director buying 76,000 shares and a buck 86 per share. Let me pull up a chart here real fast. Yeah. So some uh, buying on the 20th, more buying on the 23rd, more buying on the 20 or what what was it? It was it was Monday. It was was it was it Monday? Crap, I don't even there's been a lot of insider buying in this. Uh, again, uh, even well, actually, yeah, sort of, anyway, there's more this morning. CEO was on Tuesday, and he bought more shares. Again, another hundred thousand right. shares. So you know, I I look at these filings, 
and I trade on these filings. I don't follow this story. I don't know anything about this company fundamentally. Uh, but, you know, it hits the Benzinga news filter. And obviously, you know, we talk about sources and we've showed this before. Um, and I, if you check the SEC button in your sources, you will see these filings as they come out. And um, they sometimes really move stocks. I actually bought this stock. I believe, I can't, you know, it's, it's going back a week and a half ago. But I bought this, I believe, in the two handle. Uh, after It might have even been in the $1 handle. But it was very early on the first big insider buy. And I'm like, oh, that could kickstart the stock. Scalper blood and me, I did not know it was going to kickstart the stock to take from two to seven. I thought it could kickstart the stock. The, 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 like often these, you know, in, um, insider buys, maybe stock moves five, ten percent on these, maybe sometimes two or three percent. I don't know if I've ever seen one move three, four hundred percent here, which SAVA has done if you're taking it from the low where it was a dollar sixty-five on the nineteenth. I don't know if there's another story here happening either. Again, I haven't traded this for the last few days, so maybe there's more of a story here. I don't follow the company fundamentally, but I can remember making a trade off the insider buys. And I, you know, sometimes some of these nights I make seven, eight trades on insider buys because um, they have the potential to move stocks. They don't always move stocks, but on the little stuff, they tend to move stocks, especially stocks that have been depressed for a while. Get a big insider buy can be a turnaround. So I made some money with it, but again, scalper blood, I sold way too early. So just to recap, you got some buying uh, on the 19th, on the 20th, on the 26th, and on the 31st. And then most of it is from uh, the, the the president and the CEO, but they're also the CFO bought some uh, and another director bought some as well. So a so lot of insider buying, buying to um, it's always worth more if it's a CEO. Right. Your CEO come in and buy. And the one thing you want to look at and you want to make sure is there's a big difference. And we, I don't think we know if we discussed this on the show before. There's a big difference between acquiring shares and buying them in the open market. Because right. a lot of times you'll see, you know, these filings happen and, oh, and, the, and the CEO acquired a pile of shares. Well, maybe they just exercise some options and they're exercising from like zero or a dollar. Or, you know, they've just had long term options that they're exercising. If they come into the open market and they're buying these shares in the open market, which is just something that happened on Tuesday, if we look at SAVA, CEO came into the open market, bought 100,000 shares at 553. That has a potential to move stock because they're like, boom, oh, this CEO really believing. He's not only he's chasing his stock now, he's buying more. That's a big difference than acquiring shares that he got in an options for like a penny or two. So you've really got to be careful when you're reading these filings. Don't just jump on every CEO that's getting into a stock. Make sure that they're buying it in the open market as opposed to buying it in, on an option exercise from, you know, just performance bonuses and stuff like that. So Spencer's showing it to you now. Right. So in the pro, you, you want to see where it buys. That's the key. And word. the price. See how they make it green right. for you? Pro right. is nice. I don't know if there's any other service that does that. Really nice. It makes it green for you like right there, 553. I did not trade Tuesday night. I was actually on my way to Toronto for the New Year's party. But I can tell you, if I would have saw that at 553, 100,000 shares, I'd be turning around trying to buy offers. Sometimes there's nothing there. If there's no offers till six, I'm not going to pay way up for it. I'm not paying up 10%. But if you can pick it up one, 2% or something like that, it's sometimes a good trade. So there is good opportunities in following these filings. Um, and, and again, if it's a director, it's not worth as much. If it's a CEO, it's, it's usually the best. You see a CEO come in the open market, buying the stock. More often than not, stock's going to start to trade higher. All right. Uh, we took a couple of days off, Dennis. So we missed some news from Monday. Not that there was a lot, but we missed the news on Core Laboratories, CLB. Yikes. We waited till Monday after the bell to uh, cut, to lower their preliminary Q4 guidance and cut their dividend from $0.55 cents a share to $0.25 cents a share. Not a good headline 
that that December thirtieth afternoon no. news dump. I tried to short this after that news hit the wire. There was just nothing in there, um, and it, it hit the wire. And there was there's just no bids on a stock like this. So I'm like, I could have hit a bit of forty four. And in hindsight, you're like, why wouldn't you hit that bit of forty four? I mean, it closed at forty seven and a half. So how much is this worth? You know, it's bad news. I'd probably be willing to short, you know, at a bit of 46, but 44, it's like, oh, that's pretty far down to chase it. I did not see this, you know, complete fallout happen when the stock went down to 36, or I would have been hitting the 44 bit. But, you know, this, sometimes these things are thin, but it was terrible news. I, I, so I was trading on, on Monday night when this news broke and I saw it. Uh, but yeah, they lower guidance, they cut the dividend, um, they were citing, um, just even in the, in the press release, they were uh, citing, uh, saving um, cash. They were citing a decline in the U S offshore activity and slower than expected client discussions. It, it just sounded terrible when I was reading the press release. Like, this is bad news. So they really washed it out. It went down. It's amazing how these levels work. We get right back down to the August lows there. We had a couple of lows, uh, just in, um, going back to the 36 handle there. And coincidentally, right there, 36.50, the low on, on December 31st, it's bounced a bit from those lows. But is this the kind of stock you want to come in and say, oh, yeah, I want to buy this? I mean, they're slashing the dividend. When they're slashing the dividend, they got problems. So not for me. I'm not interested in buying this and being a buy the dipper on this one, at least not yet. Now, this would be a candidate, though, just to say, let's say, you know, we go a few days, go buy, and all of a sudden you see a big CEO buy down here. That can turn a stock around. So this is now a laggard. So I would want to see, you know, before I get interested in this, I want to see like a big analyst come and defend it. Or I want to see the insiders come in and say, hey, we think our company's going to turn around eventually and we're willing to buy it here. So I'd want to see an open market buy by the CEO or the CFO or a major director. That could be a, a, a potential for just turning this thing around. But just to come in here and buy it one day after a huge, you know, washout on a dividend slash and a guidance lowering, uh, that's not for me. I keep uh, having this problem this morning. I keep trying to pull up a, a year-to-date chart, and I, I can't because there is no year-to-date chart. Cause it's huh. We only have trade. today's trade. We have, right, we have a couple hours of trading. So, um, so but then it's, what about uh, Rite Aid here? The short squeeze over. took a breather, or is it over? Over. Over. over? Okay. I think it's over. Story's over here. Um, and we talked about this on the 27th. I got this one right. So it was trading up at 23, and I said that day, I was like, this is getting pretty long in the tooth, and I would not be surprised if you have a big down day coming very soon for this. And I, even, I think I even said, I was thinking it. I don't know if it popped out, but I was even saying that I think it could even be today. It turned around. It was $23. It closed week that day. That was your towel. Get the hell out with that red candle. That was the first day of going on the 27th. Next day, just you know, killing people who, who were chasing that thing. Yep. dogs are dogs they can bark for a little while you can get these short squeezes here but it's right a turning it around and going to be you know now now, now taking on cbs wba and being one of the i do not believe that at all i believe this was only a short squeeze it squeezed them pretty good and i think everybody who bought the thing is now caught um it is up at 17 dollars here this morning in my opinion it's up 11 percent here is there a headline here this morning driving it mm, not, or is it just continued no, volatility not still any headline Okay, there's no headline. I haven't checked my pro here. I'm checking it right now. I, um, I don't see a headline here on Rite Aid either. Uh, I believe this is a rally to be sold. That is my opinion. So 17.25 here this morning. I would be, if I was in this thing, I'd be a seller of this rally. I'm not, yep. just my opinion. I'm not trading it. No position in it. Freely talk about it. But I, I think the rallies are to be sold on Rite now. I think it's over. 
Speaking of uh, rip your face off short squeezes, uh, Tesla, what what is in store for it's a uh, thing? So it had the short squeeze and then it sold off significantly for a couple of days. Whereas get to right to that 400 psychological level and then yeah. bounces right out of it again. I do not believe the short squeeze is over in Tesla though. So Rite Aid, you know, never really had a story. It was just a complete short squeeze. Tesla has a story still. The story was always the issue here with shorts and uh, the story is still intact. And it's that, you know, the electrification of cars, they're the leader in electrification of cars, and this could stay a story for a long time. Yes, I know the fundamentals, you know, that they don't make money or they're barely making money last quarter and they're going to be burning cash. I don't know how much cash they're going to continue to burn, though. So I think that story, you know, for the bears is not as much as it used to be. I've always somewhat been a believer in Tesla here for a long time. If you've been listening to the show, it was a stock I couldn't stomach, though. That's why when it was pulling back significantly, I wrote puts on it, long-term puts at lower, much lower prices. I'd be willing to do that again if we got a significant pullback, but I don't have the stomach here to come in here and own the stock. It's just it's a hard stock to stomach. If you got a stronger stomach than me, I still think it's going high. I think Tesla could be five, $600. I really believe that. Um, but I'm not coming in here and buying a 426 because – this is also a stock that's very hard to figure out the valuation. The story could cool. The story cools and it could come right back. So it's just the risk reward here. I find it difficult at 426, even though I believe the stock is going higher. And Tesla, I'm like, right, it does have news this morning. Tesla will deliver their second batch China made Model 3s on January 7th. And uh, Canaccord is raising their price target this morning from 375 to playing catch up to 515. Whoa. So. Big PT raise, stock taking off again. I will say, if you're coming in and buying it here, you're chasing though now because just think, oh, you, know, yeah. you go back to the trading, um, which was just yesterday or uh, on Tuesday morning. The stock was 402. Now it's 426. So you just chased it up five six percent here, just um, you know, in the last day of trading. So and you have overhead supply now going to come in at that 435 where we sold off from before. So it's hard to really justify the risk reward to be paying up here this morning at 426. I think. I think I'd almost be a seller rather than a buyer for you short-term traders out there. Again, I still believe in the long-term story here. And I think this could be five, $600 stocks. So if you've been in it, I would stick with it in the long-term. Short-term traders, I don't know if I'm coming in at 426. Uh, so Dennis, over the uh, New Year's holiday break, I went to the Starbucks Reserve Roastery in Chicago. I went to that, that new- what, first, what, that, what is that? Oh, the big one, the, the Walmart-sized Starbucks. No, well, it's not quite a Walmart-sized Starbucks, but it is for, well, I guess technically five stories. Yeah. Uh, it's a five-story Starbucks, Dennis. Uh, <laughs> How was it? Did you have, I, did you have I, a coffee? I, I waited online <laughs> in the cold for an hour to get in like the capitalistic slave that I am. Um, although I didn't, I could have waited two and a half hours but we, we we went back. So on Sunday, it was a two-and-a-half-hour line wow. just to get into the Starbucks. What is so special about it? Like, is there – like, is the coffee better? I mean, the it, same stuff. It's not, right? it's not what you and I would think of uh, when you think of Starbucks. It is not it, – it, it, looks, it looks and feels nothing like a Starbucks. There is no Starbucks logo anywhere to be seen. There's no – the branding is completely it, – it is its own – animal right uh are they going to come up with more of these stores is this like well, a thing that they're they, just they have they already have one in in seattle and i believe there might be one in tokyo so they have a couple of them this is just the newest one um but it, honestly it's just a it's just a to be frank it, it was fine it's a place for coffee nerds and tour and tourists uh more or less but which which i was 
but it it was good. I mean, it was expensive, um, but it was. What's it like in there? Is it like just like so, okay, okay? So like you walk in and like the ground floor is like a little shop and uh, like a little like a small little bakery, like a cafe. And you go up one escalator and it's like food, right? They they all the like pasta, pizza, all this food, right? It's like a, it's a floor dedicated, basically a restaurant. I uh, go up one floor and it's uh, the coffee floor, right? So you you buy that they do all these fancy things with coffee that I'm not I'm not quite sure because I don't really know a lot about coffee. Uh, but they serve all these fancy coffees and the different sizes, not like a Starbucks size. It's like you can get like a lot of espresso and they do all these fancy brewing tricks. Uh, and it, it's basically a coffee bar. Uh, one floor above that is like a bar bar. It's like a co- it's like a bar with coffee. So there's a lot of like drinks. With coffee and alcohol, like alcoholic together. drinks. You're right. Alcohol and coffee mixed together. Oh. Um, and then above that, there's they have like a rooftop terrace that, you know, the dance club up there. Right. I don't know. We'd go. <laughs> but um, yeah, it was it was packed. It was. I mean, like I said, I waited an hour in the snow, the white snow, but snow to get in. Um, and then then you had to. Was this why on. you went to Chicago? Was this go to the store? No. <laughs> <laughs> What else did you do in Chicago? Um, yeah, a bunch of touristy things. Uh, yeah. But you know, I played tourists for a few days. But the the, the reserve roasteries. If you're like, if you're really into coffee, uh, or like are into like touristy things, then you, you would like it. But otherwise, I I can't say I recommend it. It was it was pretty pricey. Pretty pricey. Problem is, I don't drink coffee, so I don't know if I'd wait yeah. an hour and a half to get into no. a big coffee shop. But. No, I, I I wouldn't recommend it for you. Um, but but it, it was good. It was a good experience. Uh, so they've got a few. That sounds like they're doing well if it's that busy. Yeah, and, and it's it's right on like the main strip. It's at uh, the on Michigan Avenue. It's like the main strip of uh, where all those big retail shops are in Chicago, or near where Macy's is, and um, it's it's the old uh, Crate and Barrel location, I believe. But it was good. It was good. Um, but can't say I recommend it if you don't like coffee. So not for you, Dennis. So I just wanted to talk about that for for a hot second because it was uh it was a definitely unique experience that's for sure not like a normal Starbucks at all. What do you think of the Starbucks chart here, Spencer? This one I'm torn on, so I'm going to throw it to you on this one. We usually we throw it to our technical analyst Joel yeah. Conan, but he's taking the week off. It looks like here, so Mr. <laughs> yeah. Joel will be he with us next it, week. It does appear to be that way. Yes, he's yes. Week so off. I. You know, this is a stock that I, I don't reason. I don't want to do the technical side because I've got this one wrong a lot of times. It's like one of those stocks. You know what? You have some stocks that you just don't trade well. And if you just don't trade the stock well, don't trade that stock. You know what? Starbucks is a stock that I just don't trade well. So um, I'm going to let you do the technical call on this one. Well, you know what's interesting is it didn't participate, really. I guess it did a little bit. but um, Not really. That's a good point. It didn't, and, you know, we talked about this last week. If if your stock is not participating in that in this rally, then you know look around you, right? That's a good point. Um, that being said, um, I don't know if you can call it a cult stock, but it's definitely a cult like product, right? And the the goodwill it has um, socially is is tremendous, and I don't think you can underestimate that. I, I um, here, you know, what? I'm curious what the PE is now. I haven't looked at the Starbucks PE for a while. It's got to be like 2830. Let's pull it up fast. And uh, forward PE is 28 or 20. That's called 29. So, yeah, very good guess, Dennis. Right. Pull that out of a hat. I don't know. Uh, I don't hate it here. I don't hate it here. I'm the same. I don't hate it here. 
I, I like it better if it's breaking up above 89 though and then starting to look at 90. 90 looks like overhead supply to me. So you're like a buck and a half away from there. It's like, nah, I might wait till I see a breakout over 90 to really get interested in this thing. Again, it's a stock I trade very poorly. So uh, don't follow my opinion on this one. <laughs> I mean, pull up a longer term chart and this thing is a beast. So been a beast. I never got the whole, you know what? And this is an example of, you know, letting a fundamental thesis, you know, just affect your thoughts towards the stock. And I never really got the whole $5 coffee thing. And I know it's not true that they have lower price coffee as well. But, you know, all these fancy coffees, I never really got that. And that's probably why I never participated in the majority of this rally from $20 to $90 in the last decade. I mean, there are, first of all, there are a lot of locations. There are, I don't know how many they have nationwide. They're everywhere. They're everywhere. It's like birds. They're everywhere. Everywhere. But it seems like I'm never in a Starbucks that's empty. They're, they're always crowded. I don't know. Maybe it's when I go. I don't know. But they always seem crowded to me. I don't know. I, I don't hate the coffee. I don't hate the stock here. I, I, I'm like you. I don't know if I'd buy it right here. Um, but... Doesn't look bad. I mean, at the weekly at least, doesn't look bad. Over ninety gets more interesting. That's what I'll say. Yeah. Here, kind of like, yeah. Throw me, uh, you know, now to pitch up the middle. I'm gonna move on to the next setup. I mean, I like that it's actually, I actually like that it's not at like ninety. You start to talk yourself into this. It's like oh. Spencer Israel's going on, going to go. Well, I don't. I don't actually. I, I, I like that it's not at ninety-five or hundred here. You know, um, gives me a little bit of room to run. There you go. Oh, hundred dollars. I could see a Starbucks being a hundred dollars stock. Could Starbucks be one of the better performers in 2020? Still to be determined. I want to see it get above 90. Yeah. 90 is uh, a big test. So uh, 8.30 here. We've got about five minutes before we yeah. go to our first guest or our, yeah. our only guest today, Ivan Feinseth from uh, Tigris Financial. I want to do a balance this here quickly. Yeah. Um, they're yeah. interesting. There's, there's, they're small in the most part, but then there's a few standouts here. Taiwan Semiconductor, 190,000 shares to buy. Big buy amounts in TSM. It is ripping here this morning. It is already trading up buck 35. Remember, it trades as an ADR. It's already uh, moving here. Uh, I would say 60 bucks on TSM. That's the big level here. Uh, that's where it's going to challenge you this morning. Your chip stocks have been unbelievable performers really in the back half of 2019 does that rally continue does it cool off well that's still to be determined here because we're still you know we're not even into the really day one trading here yet uh so i don't know if this is necessarily a stock that i'm chasing again because this stock has really you know been an outperformer in 2019 and again sometimes in the first week or two there's a cool off period i'd love a cool off period to maybe get long some of these stocks though so tsm uh i'd say 60 resistance uh just quick imbalances uh, looking at other stocks Procter Gamble, 105000 a sell. Coca-Cola, 106000 a sell. Could that be the little, uh, well, we're not, you know, we're going to go full bull mode here again. So these are defensive plays. Could these stocks lag because of that? I think so. I think these could be laggards because of that. So careful on your Procter and Gamble's and Coca-Cola, where we see them somewhat participating here early. And, not, and by somewhat, I mean not hardly at all. They are green, but just slightly green. These are stocks that could actually go red on a day like this. So if we stay really strong, uh, assuming that we don't turn around here, I'd be cautious with a lot of your XLP components, like the consumer staples, because um, these things had an okay day on Tuesday. They're still hit, hitting around, kicking around near the highs. And this could be an area of profit taking as well for the little, uh, my own little January effect I talk about, where leaders become laggards and laggards become leaders. Some of your consumer staples had a pretty good 2019. 
So there could be some profit taking in these things coming too. And they're just not the kind of sexy names that people are probably jumping into and saying, I think it's going to be Procter Gamble that drives the next big bull run. So if you th really think it's the next big bull run, I don't want to be owning the names like Procter Gamble and Coca-Cola. And um, we have some ratings here, Dennis. The analysts coming out of their slumber. Yeah, yeah. They've been on vacation too. Yeah, um, so, so, yeah, and you know, typically we start to see this. The big days we're going to see is Monday and Tuesday. You're going to see a lot of big names in, under the analysts because that's where the, they, they're really coming back. Sometimes you still have some analysts taking some vacations, you know, extended maybe for an extra day or two, like our technical analyst, Joel Alconin. Uh, but I think you're, you're going to start to see some uh, ratings pop in. It's been quiet for ratings for the last week or two because we've been in holiday trade. We're starting to come out of holiday trade now. The analysts are beginning back to their desk, starting to write their reports, doing their analysis. I would expect to see some major analyst ratings on Monday and Tuesday of next week. But we have a few today, too. Yeah, actually, one thing before that, I just remembered, you, you didn't respond to my text. I sent you a, uh, I sent you a picture over the weekend of – the uh, I was at the zoo lights. They responded by to look now. They responded by Investco QQQ. You never responded. I said you sent this to me. I sent you a text on on like. Oh, Saturday you did. Night. I missed yeah, this. You, you didn't respond. I oh, said, I missed it. I'm looking at it right now. The zoo lights responded by Dennis's hedging. Responded by Investco QQQ. Really, it is true. Actually, too, I do use QQQ for a hedge all the time. Where are the zoo lights? Where is this? Chicago. This is Chicago. The yep. zoo lights. Are the zoo lights pretty cool? Yeah, they're. They have the animals all lit up as well. Uh, no. Did, you, did they like put you know no. lights all over the lions? No, 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 no. Not, that'd no. been cool though. Think about like at night you're watching. There's the lion. He's got like lights on him. Yeah, that'd been cool. Why didn't they do that? Good uh, idea for you zoo people out there. Light up the. I, I'm sure. I, uh, I'm sure there'd be a few people. So uh, the, the reason I, the reason I thought about that now is because Invesco is getting uh, downgraded this morning uh, from Wells Fargo to underweight. They're giving it a $17 price target. So IVZ getting downgraded. At Let's go check out the chart. Have not looked at IVZ in a long time. Not trading down here, though nothing is here this morning. Downgrade. This is you know 6.92%. This is more of a dividend play than anything, though. So I wouldn't expect this thing to lose a dollar or something on downgrade there. Actually, 2019 was not a great year for this one. And 2018 no. was not a great year for this thing either. This has kind of been in the gutter. So... I mean, but that makes sense because there was just so much fee compression happening across the board. Great point. So yeah, these ETFs are all coming, and there's a million of them. Great for us. Great for investors. Well, not if you're an investor in IVZ, but great for investors who use their products. Not great for Invesco. Yeah, like the ETFs, there's just so many of them now. I mean, you look and you think about how many are mimicking the Qs and mimicking the yep. I mean, I was just thinking about like SPY. Oh, then you can go and you got IVV and then you got, you know, um, there's, I mean, there's like a dozen of these things. It's crazy, but SPY is expensive to think, but it is. And that's why, you know, you get these other ETFs to come out with a cheaper fee. It's like, okay, well, I'll buy, you know, the, the cheaper one. So that's doing yep. the exact same thing. Yep. So the fee compression is a fantastic point you're making, and it shows up in the stock of IV Zebra. I mean, you're seeing the same thing in State Street, um, uh, really across the board uh, in this industry, just fee compression. Uh, great for investors, not great for the companies, but that's kind of the way it's going here. So uh, we will get to the rest of the ratings after our guest, but I want to bring him on now, Ivan's fine, Seth. He is a partner and CIO at Tigris Financial Partners. Ivan, good morning and Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. Thanks for having me on. How did 2019 uh, treat you in the market? Good? 
Very good. I was, you know, bullish throughout the year. Uh, when I was on your show, I kept saying any trade-related sell-off was a buying opportunity, and certainly we seem to be moving forward on trade, and the momentum of last year looks to continue with the strong open today. So I remain bullish, and I think we'll see further gains. Not as strong as last year's almost 30% gain, but I think there is more upside in stocks. So more upside um, for the overall market this year. I mean, how how long this rally that we've seen in the past month or so, how long can that realistically go on for? Well, the first quarter, or at least the first three mo- few months of a new year is always strong because you have people starting all over again, putting money into 401ks and IRAs, you know, from paycheck deductions. So um, usually the last three months of the la- year, or the prior year and the first three months of the new year are always the strongest. We got good momentum. We got the trade momentum. The Fed is still on the side of the bulls. The fundamental narrative is improving. You know, 2019 was a year of fears that didn't happen. I mean, we didn't get the global slowdown. We didn't get the U.S. recession. Um, We didn't get uh, tariffs torpedoing our economy. None of those things happened. And the fundamental narrative is still in place. So I see further upside. And certainly the market looks to open extremely strongly this morning with almost 200 points you know, gain on the Dow. And are you, are you seeing that for you, the stocks you cover as well? You cover the, a lot of tech, you cover the FANG stocks, you cover MasterCard. Yes, my, uh, I had about uh, 40, 40 uh, highlights as my best ideas for 2019. The average of the 40 were, were up almost 38%, you know, a little bit better than the market itself. And there were stocks that were up almost 100%, including things like Corvo and Skyworks, uh, MasterCard had a great year. Microsoft had a great year. Um, so uh, I think these same ideas will continue to work. Uh, you know, Amazon was a little disappointing last year. I think we'll see better uh, gains in Amazon this year. Um, so I think things like MasterCard will continue. Um, I remain bullish and think there's a lot of opportunity out there. I haven't done a stick here. So what would you be your top picks like and what sectors are you looking at for 2020? Well, let's see. We could start in communications. My top picks there are uh, Google, Alphabet, uh, AT&T, which has a a tremendous 5% dividend and will benefit from the further monetization of WarnerMedia and the launch this spring of their HBO Max streaming service. Facebook continues to gain their, grow their user base, grow their advertising revenue, even in the face of all the controversy. I think a lot of the controversy is behind them, and they will continue to look for new ways. They are buying and getting uh, you know, gaming services. Uh, I think you'll see gaming, some more e-commerce, uh, Facebook pay. All these things are going to lift Facebook. Uh, Verizon and AT&T will be beneficiaries of the 5G um, high-speed network rollout, and Walt Disney will continue to benefit from the strength of their uh, Disney Plus subscribers. You know, within the first month and a half, they had almost 25 million subscribers. Their goal was between 75 million and 90 million subscribers in five years. I mean, they're almost a, a third of the way there in the first couple months. On the what does it mean? Side, what's the overall going? streaming, you know, and obviously this move to streaming, and you just mentioned it a couple of times, was HT, AT&T and their HBO service. Disney Plus, 
what does this mean for Netflix? Like I just, you know, obviously Netflix was the place to stream. That's where everybody's watching. Now there's other services coming. I've argued before that the competition and the valuation makes it not as attractive in my opinion. But it's, that being said, the stock continues to perform pretty well in the face of this competition. What are your thoughts on Netflix? Surprisingly so. I have been bearish on Netflix. It has held up incredibly well. I mean, they still trade at a huge multiple. I, I think that they will have to offer discounts and incentives to continue to grow their subscriber, or at least maintain their subscriber base. I mean, I do like Netflix. I mean, I, I was uh, following The Irishman for two years before it came out, and it's a blockbuster for Netflix. Uh, even Bob Iger, the CEO of Disney, says he's a subscriber. So Netflix has great content, but Disney is the king of content. And for almost eight years, Netflix had the streaming market all to themselves. There are five very strong competitors that are, have deep pockets and can produce tremendous content. And it comes to a point where it's not only financial, but uh, consumers only have so much time to spend watching TV you know, before you have to work, sleep, and actually interact with other people. So... Um, it may be just the face of a, a, a limited time bandwidth to what you can watch, which may cause people to switch to some of these other services that may have other content. For example, The Mandalorian has been a huge hit on Disney+. Plus. Uh, when they first announced Disney Plus and The Mandalorian, I said, wow, back in April, this is yeah. going to be an incredible show, and it certainly has uh, exceeded expectations. Yeah, I've watched Both for me and Disney. <laughs> I've watched The Mandalorian, too, and it's excellent. <laughs> one concern that I do have, and I'm, I'm, I'm along Disney for full disclosure, uh, but one concern that I do have is I'm on the Disney, and my kids love it because they're watching all the old Disney movies and stuff. But then I look, I've watched all The Mandalorian. There's not another one coming for another year, and I'm thinking, there's not that much new content on there, though. So there's a lot. Like, when it first came out a month and a half ago, it's like, oh, there's lots of cool shows I haven't watched. Like I'm watching The Swiss Family Robinson with my two-year-old and my five-year-old. You know, there's a lot of, you know, cool shows that I haven't seen for a lot of years. And The Mandalorian was awesome. But now that I've watched The Mandalorian, I'm like, well, what's coming new? Does yeah, Disney I, I think have some new shows coming? I think well, I got, a, I got another show for you, uh, The World According to Jeff Goldblum. We've got to go watch no, that you, one. Okay. you got to watch that one. It's great. I mean, I love Jeff Gliss. It's a great show for him. And it's interesting, and you learn. Um, Avengers Endgame is coming is on it. Um, the event, the, all the Marvel movies, the other Star Wars movies. If you if you you watch Mandalorian with your kids and say, hey, look, there's you know all these other movies. There are the nine Star Wars movies. Uh, Rise of Skywalker will be on in a few months. There you have uh, my favorite Star Wars, by the way, is Rogue One. So there's there is a lot of content. So uh, I I have a question for you. Uh, we're getting uh, Peacock from NBC sometime in April. Uh, obviously, Comcast, a much more diversified company uh, than just a streaming company. But will do you think we'll see some sort of reaction to the launch of Peacock reflected in shares of Comcast come March or April? I think it will help. Uh, initially, it's not going to. It's going to be free uh, to those people that have um, you know things like uh, Xfinity. Uh, and I think you can even subscribe directly, you know, on online for free. So um, it will help overall uh, have a, these streaming services for companies like Disney, uh, especially, have a halo effect. Which uh, there's nothing beyond Netflix to have a halo effect on, but um, it will just give consumers more choices, and they will have to not only budget money, they got to budget time. 
Uh, Ivan, do you have a least favorite stock in your coverage for 2020? Um, I, I'm not really focused on the negative side because the market has been so strong. I mean, I am shocked about the gains and the valuation of uh, Netflix, as an example, but I'm, I'm not really that negative. So, I mean, right now in my consciousness, there's not a lot of stocks I would be either short um, or negative on. I have so many stocks that I'm so bullish on. You, uh, one of those stocks you bullish on is Wendy's. You have a buy rating. Uh, they're launching their breakfast. I think this is the third time around now, their third attempt at launching a breakfast. They're launching it uh, this year, though I don't remember the exact time they're launching uh, breakfast this year. Uh, but you're bullish on Wendy's. Uh, you have a buy rating, and, yep. and what do you expect of, of their of their breakfast launch? I think it will be successful. I don't want to say third time's a charm, but there is strong demand for protein-based breakfasts. Uh, they're doing, um, you know, an egg uh, and bacon biscuit, a chicken uh, breakfast biscuit, and, um, you know, breakfast uh, is a strong growth area for, I mean, it certainly was a huge winner for McDonald's from the beginning, and when they went to breakfast all day, was one of their best campaigns ever. So um, Wendy's is... One of the only large, you know, or national changes, chains that uses fresh meat. Um, they uh, have a great quality product. They are in the process of upgrading a lot of their restaurants. In fact, the one near where I live is just totally rebuilt. They're um, redoing their restaurants. They're they're putting more digital initiatives as far as kiosk and app um, app earning uh, ordering. So um, I think there is further upside from current levels uh, in Wendy's. And they also are focusing on international expansion, which is Wendy's has primarily been a U.S.-based um, uh, restaurant chain. And then one more for you here, Ivan. You've got uh, a buy rating, I believe, on uh, Lyft. What is the bullish yes. case for Lyft this year? Well, first, I think they can continue to gain market share on Uber. And second is that transportation as a service will continue to grow as a bigger part of the total transportation expenditures for consumers. For example, in 2018, total ground transportation was $1.2 trillion, and the combined revenue of Lyft and Uber was less than a half a percent of that. It is going to grow as a percentage of that. Um, Urban-based millennials are not buying cars. They're using transportation as a service, Lyft and Uber, Uber more and more. People, when they go on vacation are, or business travel, are renting cars less. They are using Lyft and Uber more. And I think that Lyft's focus on healthcare-related transportation, which in many cases is paid for by either Medicare or your insurance company, is a huge opportunity. I think that food delivery is great for the consumer. It's not great for the company. And, and I think that uh, I like the fact that Lyft is not focused on, you know, food delivery or other type of, you know, trucking. They're focused on passenger transportation and, prime, and with this huge opportunity in healthcare transportation where older people that can't drive are not going to be dependent on their kids to take them to the doctor visits and uh, other things where, um, you know, that uh, they can't get to because they can't drive. And there's an application where you can actually send a Lyft car or a doctor's office can send a Lyft driver to pick them up and take them home. So why do you like Lyft over Uber? Uh, they are the smaller with the, I think, stronger growth rate, and they will gain market share on Uber as well as gain 
penetration into the lift, into the uh, transportation as a service sector. All right, Ivan Feinseth, partner and CIO at Tigris Financial Partners. Ivan, thanks so much for coming on. Happy New Year once again. Thank you. You too. Wish everybody all the best in 2020. And a huge, uh, lots of prosperity and huge gains. All right, have a good one, Ivan. Thanks, Ivan. Uh, 8.47 here. Let's get to some of those ratings that we had uh, teased earlier in this show. We we talked about Invesco getting a downgrade. Wells Fargo, uh, very active this morning. So they are upgrading... G3 Apparel to overweight. They're upgrading T. Rowe Price to overweight. Upgrading designer brands DBI to overweight. Upgrading BlackRock to overweight. So a pair trade this morning. They're upgrading BlackRock, downgrading Invesco. Uh, also downgrading Janus, uh, JHG to underweight. So uh, I think I got all the... Oh, actually, there's a couple more from Wells Fargo here. They're downgrading Raw Stores to neutral. Uh, downgrading Haynes Brands to underweight downgrading signet to underweight as well i think i got very, the- very busy wells here this morning yep um, so two two it, notes one on retail one on yeah uh financial services i guess i guess you can call it but yeah, if you're looking at most of the ratings here this morning it's mostly evercore and wells there's some yep. St- there's a stevens note there too but mostly wells and evercore dominating the the notes here this morning the, um the, the, signet. we haven't talked about it yeah. for a while it's a stock that you would think, um, you know, has been a laggard, but really, if we look at, you know, you just think of it as an eternal laggard. Really, in 2019, it didn't, it lagged the overall market, but it wasn't straight down like it has been for years. I mean, Signet Jewelers has just been awful every single year. 2015, the stock was $152, and obviously, it's $21 here now. Um, it's the move away from jewelry. I mean, this is just, um, it's, it's, it's been this consumer trend that people aren't wearing their wealth as much as they used to in the past. Um, I, and I think that's, that, that continues. So I don't know if the story here is, you know, it, I, I don't think it's ever going back to $150. I'll say that. With that being said, it actually held up okay in 2019 and started to turn around. So since the summer, the stock has doubled. It's went from 10 to 20. So the stock is no longer really is trying to break that downtrend and actually somewhat looks interesting here. So if I was long it, I would definitely want to see this thing hold above 20. 20 would be kind of my stopout point. But I don't know if I'm necessarily just coming here and getting bearish SIG here, especially in this type of market where you start to see some funny stocks do some rallying here in an early January. So, I don't know, Dennis, you can't, you can't spell bankrupt without K. <laughs> okay, that's and he's just an opinion here, but I don't think that. <laughs> I, I, I spent about five minutes thinking about that one. Thinking about that show coming up there, but I don't think it's going bankrupt. I think Signature is going to be around. Um, I don't know if the seven percent dividend is safe. It's a hell of a dividend, but you know it's it's turned around in the last little while. September ten dollars stock, December twenty one dollars stock. So you can say we've squeezed some shorts pretty good here. Maybe just got a little bit overdone. I don't think it's going away, though. That's, you know, some of these instances, and I've been, you know, talking about different stocks that I think, you know, like GameStop, that I think eventually might go away. I don't think SIG is going away. I don't know why, but I'm not as bearish as maybe some people on the street. And apparently not as bearish as Wells Fargo announced. No. Uh, So moving on to the Evercore node here, it's mostly a lot of healthcare and biotech names that they're. Uh, upgrading and downgrading this morning. The two that aren't are United Airlines, UAL, upgrading um, to outperform is Evercore, and Ford Motor, who Evercore is downgrading to underperform now. So besides that, the rest of them are, are uh, healthcare names, Baxter, uh, BAX, upgraded, yep. outperform. 
Uh, who, that's kind of that's the big one is, is Baxter. Uh, Varian Medical VAR upgrade to outperform. Uh, Perkinomer P, PKI upgrade to outperform. But besides that, we're getting a United outperform uh, upgrade and a Ford downgrade ual the number is 90 this is the critical number it's unbelievable how many highs you had right around 90 in december so if we go back to the 12th 8990 if we go back to the 17th 8999 if we go back to the 18th 8998 if we go the next day 8978 8990 these are all consecutive days 9010 and then we peeled back from there so somebody like joel would cite this i think i've got this right joel if you're listening somebody's selling a piece at 90. You don't get that many highs in the same area and there isn't somebody selling a piece. Did they get out? Are they out of it now? Maybe. Is they're still sitting there and still refreshing, selling more? Maybe. We're going to probably test it again here today, but I'm not buying it because every time you've bought it at 90 in the past five, six, seven days, it has failed there. So I'm saying guilty until proven innocent. I want to see this thing get above 91 before I get interested. So Because uh, the 90 just seems to be somebody... Very big fish, selling a lot of stock. We're also getting a, oh, I just had it here, an upgrade from Fastly this morning, or to Fastly, sorry, from Piper Jaffrey to Overweight, giving it a $24 price target, FSLY. Oh, I haven't looked at this one for a while. Ah! You got a consult. You've been in consolidation station. We'll say that lots of support in that 18 and a half area. So if it could ever get out and get above the 21, which it might try to do today on the upgrade, starts getting interesting. But then you got a few pesky highs around 21 and a quarter too. So we'll move it up. Say you got to get above 21 and a quarter before it gets interesting. Uh, it's a stock that's only been out there what seven eight months. So it hasn't been out for a long time. So not a long long track record on this thing. It's interesting above 21. I'll say that. Interesting. But I'm, I don't know if I'm jumping in. You know what? I, I didn't pull up that four chart. Let's pull up that four chart. The downgrade this morning from Amazon. Never moves. It's oh. such a stock that just doesn't seem to move. Um, yeah, you know, it moves a nickel here, a dime here. It's downgraded, underperform. It moves two cents. I used to trade for it actively. It just doesn't move enough. For a trader, it just doesn't have enough movement. You need some fundamental news to really get interested in trading this. This is a stock that I used to trade like all the time and i simply just don't trade anymore because it's like moves a penny it moves two pennies it just doesn't move so not enough for an active day trader and the only time i'm trading for it now is when it's got own its own fundamental news does it turn around and start selling off in this downgrade i doubt it 923 support 924 from the last couple days take that out maybe you could go to a slippery slope down to nine but hard to really get bearish and you know or bullish here at this point in time it's just kind of doing nothing um, I need a catalyst. I need, you know, long-term, I'm still not a big fan of Ford. Short-term, I need a catalyst to take it one way or the other. And I don't think this downgrade is going to be that catalyst. So I don't think you have much of a trade in here. Someone in the chat mentioning what has been a quiet stock of late, Beyond Meat. Look at that chart. Man, is it quiet. Well, this could be one of those classic stocks that could benefit from the tax loss selling. It was probably really holding it down here at the end. Could we get a little bit of life in January in BYND for a couple of weeks? Maybe. I think Beyond Meat is much lower when we look at it at the end of 2020. So if I was picking bearish stocks, I think Beyond Meat in I think I would want to almost wait a week or two before making this call because I think it could show some life here for the next few days. I think by the end of 2020, this thing's under $50. But that being said, you can trade anything. And seasonality effects, it was an okay candle on Friday on this. I wouldn't be surprised this thing goes up and tests 80 again. 
So I think there's three, four points of upside still here um, in the next maybe couple of weeks. But don't get caught with this one because you're eventually going to, I think, take out 71.30. And I think eventually Mark Yusko was on here and he says he thinks it's going much, much lower. And he was one of the original investors in BYND. He just says the valuation is ridiculous. Um, and I agree with Mark here. It's always been a valuation issue. I think Beyond Meat is still going much lower longer term. So if you are trading from the long side, do not get caught. But I think there's a potential for a little bit of January, a little bit of, you know, ease off the tax loss selling from the last couple of weeks. Maybe the laggard becomes a leader for a couple of days. But don't get stuck with this one. I'll say that. Uh, two numbers to note on, on Beyond Meat, $45 uh, or 46 That was the open and $25, that was the IPO price. If you're looking for later on, obviously, these are over today. But if no, you're yeah, not for today. Again, I mean, just today. I think it'll eventually see that $45 price again. I don't just, know if it's in 25 again. Have it in the back of your head. Have those numbers in the back of your head. 46. Uh, I think eventually it could see $45. If you're in this buying this at 76 and think it's going back to 160 I think you're wrong. I think you're very wrong. I think if you're buying this at 76 I think you're going to lose in the long run. I'm saying I could actually get on board with a little trade though. If I was setting up a trade for you, I would stop myself out at Friday, or at Tuesday's low, 73.22. I don't want to own it below that. I don't want to get stuck with this thing. It could be an analyst could come out and downgrade and the thing could open down 10 bucks too. You can always have that happen too. But the volatility slowed down here a bit. It stopped going down temporarily. I think you might get a better price if you're trying to short it though. I think this thing could see 80 again and then maybe get an opportunity to short it again. Again, long-term, I do not like the stock. I'm just scrolling through the chat here. Um, missed a lot of these tickers that were mentioned today. Yeah, let's do them. Ticker let's, time for three let's minutes. Look at uh, Caterpillar here. Caterpillar. Uh, I believe JV Spec was saying, I didn't open my book, but he said there's some size up at 150. So I'm going to say that's your major resistance. Trade in the 149 handle here. So until I can get through 150, uh, I'm not interested. Get through 150, then it becomes interesting. Then you think, ah, oh, maybe we're going to 160 again. So if we can break through 150, Caterpillar gets much more interesting. Next. Um, okay. What a Neo. I see one talking about Neo and IO. They had earnings. Didn't was they? it earnings? Was that the move on the on a Monday? I'm almost positive they had earnings. What they, was that? I, I, I don't know. I on my calendar. It, it was um it was earnings. Yeah. They reported late last week. They reported or no Monday, excuse me. They reported on Monday. Um there was I think they were supposed to report last week but they maybe moved it to monday but anyway the uh the numbers i mean they weren't great as you would probably expect the eps missed and the uh the sales beat but they're losing money like gangbusters so i don't know they're big pops squeeze them a little bit we got up near five dollars peeled back from there your resistance now is four dollars and 87 cents five dollars is always a big number because in a lot of brokerages that's where securities become merchantable they fall below five they're not so this thing's going to have some resistance up at five until I can get above five, I'm not interested in NIO. So we like cat above 190. I don't know if I'm ever getting interested in NIO, but I'm not buying a 407 because I think there's overhead supply until you can get above five. Yeah, this was the uh, the 60 minutes top right here. On, on, on the, is that what it was? This, this uh, is like the, isn't this the Tesla of China or something they call that's it? What, that's what they called it. That's what they called it, so... I don't know about that. I don't know. Uh, let's look. Hey, you know what? Let's look at Boeing here. Um, overtaken by Airbus as the uh, top uh, airline uh, maker in 2019. Not a total surprise. 
they steal the headline considering all the all the troubles they had. But we've now we've got a couple days to digest the CEO change uh, at the top. And what do you think of Boeing here? It's going to surprise it, but I actually don't mind it here. I don't usually buy stocks in downtrends. Oh, it's but down gotta, at the bottom of the range. You got a nice level here, five twenty or three twenty. So as long as you know three twenty holds. So I would say there's a trade setup here. You buy Boeing three twenty six, three twenty seven, three twenty eight, and you're risking yourself eight bucks on a three hundred dollar stock. It's not that bad. It starts trading three nineteen. I get out. So I don't mind. I don't mind the setup here. That I think maybe the worst is behind it. Um, you know, and you know, maybe there's some potential for some good news in 2020. So is this going to be a turnaround story in 2020 still to be determined, but you have a potential setup here where you got a nice level where you know where your stop out is at 320 is huge level. It held on the big bad day. It's come back down here to retest. Can the 320 hold? That is the question, but I don't mind it here at 328. I think as long as you're stopping out below 320, if it, if so that's my contingency plan. Stop up below 320, but I could get on board with buying it here. Let's do one more. Uh, let's look at Apple. I haven't talked about Apple. Well, it's been unbelievable. I mean, it's got 300 on the mind here now. So it's come this far. Why not is what I would say. I still own Apple in the long-term portfolio, full disclosure. I've had it in there for a long time, so I'm in for much, much lower prices. Um, I'm sticking with it long-term. But again, this was an unbelievable performer in 2020. Is it overextended? Absolutely. Is it going to test 300? I think so. I think eventually it's getting above 300. Um, is it going to 400 or 500? Uh, eventually, I think. But I don't think it's going straight there. There's going to be a significant pullback in Apple to take advantage of, and that will be a buying opportunity. Maybe we get it down to 260 again, and maybe you buy more stock. I, I would like to buy more Apple on a pullback, significant pullback. But it's been an unbelievable performer. It was one of the biggest positions in my long-term portfolio, and it's one of the bigger, biggest positions here now because obviously I think it was up 80% or something last year. Yep. I wish, I wish, I wish I would have bought more on the pullback. Everybody wishes this, you know, hindsight capital 2020. Uh, but I you know, wish and I t thought about buying more when it got down to the 150, 160 level, and then it obviously went down to 140, and the 140 changed that start of the year in, in, in 2019. I never did buy more, and I regret that. But anyways, at least I got some Apple. All right. Uh, that is it for our first show of the new decade. I want to thank our guest, Ivan Feinseth. Thanks to all of you in our chats, both on YouTube and premarket.benzinga.com. You can always catch the replay of our show on YouTube or on our podcast on uh, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, TuneIn, uh, or uh, Spotify. Uh, so please remember all the information from our show meant to be used as informational purposes only, not for investing or trading advice. And everyone have a great rest of your day. We'll be back with you on Friday. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. 